0: What we need to do to be successful and push for for big changes in this country is to make sure that we are creating opportunities for folks to get involved where it's multi-generational, where it's multi-ethnic.
1: Welcome to How We Win. All over the country, people are doing
2: extraordinary things. We don't agonize, we organize, and we're giving you the tools that you need
1: to make a difference right now. A busy month on the Hill kicks off today. We'll break down the Senate's new Freedom to Vote Act.
2: We'll also keep our eyes on the pro-insurrectionist rally, what, at the Capitol on Saturday. Plus, we're getting you into action in Virginia.
1: That's right. And joining us for our interview is the man who is leading the organizing charge, Swing Left's head of community, David Barrios. All that, plus our reasons for hope. I'm Steve Pearson.
2: And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How We Win. win.
1: Hey, it's our 101st episode, Mariah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Yay, we made it. Do we get a, a prize or, or something? You know whoever's listened to these episodes, they're the, they're the, <laughs> they're the, the real true, winners.
1: <laughs> I don't know if they are winners, but they're the true champions of the moment. They're the ones that deserve a prize. No. yeah, I don't mean to be self-deprecating. Our prize is that we've uh, are making an impact on democracy, just like everyone else uh, who listens to this show and takes action.
2: Uh yeah, I mean, I feel like our uh, both of us have like that self-deprecating, sarcastic kind of default, <laughs> which probably may run some people away, may retain some people. It would be nice
1: if we had like the good cop, bad cop thing, but we're both just self-deprecating cops, right? <laughs> so, um, oh, we're
2: both self-loathing. Um, in, <laughs> in, in any event, this is um, what a week to have the 101st episode Lots, lots going on, lots to talk about.
1: Yeah. And uh, excited. Also, speaking of people who are making an impact on our democracy, we have our head of community for an interview uh, coming up. And it's the first time I've actually met him or had a chance to talk to him. And um, he's such a smart, passionate uh, guy and just an awesome person to be leading Swing Left's organizing efforts at this moment.
2: Uh, he's so great. I was surprised that you you all had never met. You're like a swing left OG. And so a lot has changed in the last few years since you've joined. And that's always wonderful, exciting, keeps things fresh. You, yeah. you end up with people like David who have such cool experience. I can't wait for people to hear about it.
1: Yeah. And as you said, it's great. We're kicking off a crazy month in D.C., in the Capitol. But we're also winding down what has been a crazy campaign here in California. And thank you to everyone who uh, made phone calls, who talked to Mm -hmm. their neighbors and friends to make sure that we uh, kept Gavin Newsom as our governor. As we're recording this, it's election day, so Mariah and I don't know the results yet, but I have been furiously refreshing the returns and And uh, and looking at the the partisan split of ballots returned, and it's looking pretty, pretty darn good for uh, Governor Newsom. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say Governor Newsom is still our governor as people are listening to this podcast. Okay.
2: Did we not learn anything? No, um, <laughs> you're, you're looking at a crystal ball. I, I, you know, people were so amped up about this that I'm feeling good about your statement too. There was a lot of, a big flurry of that activity in the final moments. And one big sign that someone, that like um, a researcher found and posted on Twitter was um, some little hidden language on Larry Elder's website that went up before election day, like the final election day, that was basically like, Gavin Newsom is still the governor because of voter fraud. So, you know, already laying the groundwork to claim that once again, the Republican playbook is, it's just (laughs) one page at this point. And it's, this isn't fair. Everybody cheated.
1: It's a paragraph. What it's you not even a full page.
2: Yeah, it's what you believe when 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 you're you're used to cheating yourself. So
1: yeah, um, it's it's actually like not unexpected, and at the same time really terrifying because um, this is the playbook that they are are using now. Um, The ballots haven't even been counted yet, and he's saying that there's voter fraud. It's ridiculous. It's what led to uh, the insurrection on January 6th, and now we're paying very close attention to this pro-insurrectionist rally happening on Saturday at the Capitol with these people who... uh, you know, think that there was voter fraud because a lot of Republicans, including Donald Trump, have been screaming that there is voter fraud, even though there is no voter fraud. But now we have a rally for the imprisoned insurrectionists.
2: First of all, they're not even in prison. They're all at home awaiting <laughs> <laughs> awaiting sentencing um, because that's how –
1: that's how we're doing. They things. still but, um, have Netflix is what you're they, saying. <laughs> they still have Netflix.
2: Um, so the organizers of this event say that the charges against these like 570 plus insurrectionists should be dropped because they were peaceful and they mm. believed that they had permission to enter the Capitol on January 6th. You know, this is in spite of the police officers who they attacked and nearly killed who were trying to keep them out of the building. Um, They beat those folks. So, I mean, again, back to the playbook, the other, the next paragraph is um, don't believe your eyes. We're going to tell you what to see.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really frightening. And um, uh, the depths of the indoctrination of of these cult members, as we've talked about many times on this show, is is so deep and uh, and so I'm really hoping that uh, everything is okay this weekend. That there's um, no violence. Um, the Capitol Police, of course, have put back up the barricades and are mm-hmm. increasing their. Um, their police presence.
2: Um, yes. Um, and the or, the organizers of this, I'm not even going to call it a protest. Um, what happened January 6th was an attack. This is a gathering of, of delusional people. They claim that some members of Congress are going to speak. I, I think we could guess mm. if, that, if that happens. I'm not con- convinced any of this is going to go off. If that happens, I think we can guess who it's going to be. And I'll just say, if you're having an event and Marjorie Taylor Greene is your keynote speaker. <laughs> Cancel your event. You've gone, something has gone terribly wrong.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if she'll show up. I think I'm going to be another look into my crystal ball and I'm going to say yes. Yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene will speak at that event.
2: I think that she, there are probably very few people places that she can go and and be taken seriously and and have people so she probably is just gonna go you know she's gonna go to to the real to the reliable folks because everywhere else you know she's a a a dangerous laughing stock but still a
1: laughing stock well speaking of um The alleged voter fraud and those who would uh, continue to cry voter fraud even before elections have actually happened uh, and certainly after elections have been proven to be secure and accurate, we now have – the Senate has introduced uh, this morning as as we're recording a new Freedom to Vote Act, um, which I am very excited about. Uh, It's a uh, slightly altered version of H.R. 1, the For the People Act. And um, it's new compromise legislation to protect voting rights, ban partisan gerrymandering, and take additional steps to protect our democracy. Um, Schumer says that this bill will go up for a vote next week. It is part of a compromise that addresses what state and local officials had also said would be easier to implement and addressed some concerns from – Ah, people like Joe Manchin, who uh, was not supportive of the uh, initial HR one bill, so um, it's exciting. The, the we have to eliminate the filibuster, or at least carve out the filibuster for voting rights, uh, in order to pass this. Other big news is reportedly that uh, Biden has said that he is going to be pushing Senate Democrats to do that very thing—to reform the filibuster uh, mm-hmm. so for voting rights. So, I. Um, So that's some positive rhetoric, Um, whether we see that in practice or not, um, I don't know. But I sure do know that uh, we need to renew and keep up our calls to Congress to uh, eliminate the filibuster or reform the filibuster.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you're being, you know, very positive about this and there are (laughs) some good things in it. I'm getting super annoyed with with Joe Manchin and he's just wielding his his power in a very irritating way right now that is um, you know taking some thing this idea is like one person driving all the compromise is is
1: very aggravating. but, but I don't some, think some, that's the case though. I mean he's the one that he's the one in the power position. He's the one that's putting out op-eds, right, and and mm-hmm. making his position known publicly. And, of course, he also uh, notably recently said that he wouldn't support the um, $3.2 trillion, trillion. Dollar price tag on the reconciliation bill uh, package. Couldn't but- say
2: what price tag he would support. So uh, th- this is why I say some of this feels a little bit like being contrarian for – I know it's beyond contrarian sake. Again, it, to me, it's, it's a, it's a, it's about power. And, and if you're not going to, if you're not going to say yes to anything and then like, where do you go from there? You know?
1: Well, I guess my question to you though, is, do you think he is the only one he's certainly the most uh, vocal and he's out in front of all of this and using his power but um, don't you think there's some other moderate Dems who are sort of hiding behind um, behind him at this point? I mean, S- Cinema's one that's not really hiding sure. behind him. But you've got John Tester, the senator in Montana, who is saying that he uh, won't support the reconciliation bill until everything is paid for, until they have exact you know ways to pay for the package, which um, isn't quite going to happen yet. Um, so. I, I, I feel like um, Manchin rightfully so gets a lot of attention because he brings the attention on himself. But there's right, probably correct. some other uh, conservative Dems who are hiding behind him.
2: That's a great point. And it's a good reminder that even if you feel that you have safe representation, you know, people who are primarily advocating the way that you want you should still reach out to the offices and 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 call them and go on on the record um but you know the new freedom to vote act does include some great things like um establishing election day as a national holiday Mm -hmm. new disclosure requirements for dark money groups so we can you know figure out who's donating to some of these independent expenditures and and things like that um setting a standard for automatic voter registration, really, right. you know, so, so that's, there are that's some so th-
1: important too. the automatic voter registration and online voter registration that has been happening here in California. And, uh, we were just talking about the Newsom recall election. Turnout has been huge for that. I remember days when we would have a special election and get turnout at about 13%. And, mm-hmm. um, we're not even at election night yet when all the returns will come. And we're already at like 41% uh, returned on this special election, which is huge. And that's because of automatic voter registration and people getting ballots mailed to them, voter mm-hmm. by mail. So that will make a b- big impact, that alone.
2: So, California setting the model for. Um, how things could be in the rest of the country. We will keep an eye on on this and and report back when Schumer introduces it. Um, the other big thing happening this week is the election officially kicks off in Virginia. Absentee voting starts on Friday, and so we are going to have in a couple of minutes some ways for some people to get involved now that we are in the home stretch in this very important
1: election. That's right. Uh, just over a month left, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into more of that when we have our to-do list. But um, spoiler alert, we've got some stuff for you to do in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this week's Hero of the Week.
2: Okay, I picked the Hero of the Week this week, <laughs> and I feel like people are going to have some things to say about this, which I love. Um, you were talking about folks wanting to know Uh, You know, how we're going to pay for all these great bills the Biden administration is coming up with. Pay for us. Our our hero of the week knows (laughs) AOC says tax the rich. Um, That's what the back of her dress said at the Met Gala earlier this week. Um, Quite an eye-catching dress and statement.
1: (laughs) Well, I love that you picked AOC as our hero of the week because uh, she's always a hero and doing amazing work. And I love highlighting her. And maybe now that she's uh, officially one of our heroes of the week, she'll come on and uh, and talk about her choice of outfit for the Met Gala and other issues on our podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll send her this segment. Hey, you're our hero. You got to come on now. It's a requirement. But and people had some complaints about, you know, going to this incredibly expensive gala and being around a whole bunch of rich people. But um, that's who we need to see this message. That's kind of the point,
1: right? <laughs> that's that, the point. That makes it even better.
2: Um, And everybody's talking about it. And as, as, as someone much funnier than me said, um, so much was going on at that gala and all anyone can talk about is this phrase, tax the rich. So
1: Mm. um,
2: mission accomplished.
1: All right. Well, uh, speaking of that, let's move on now to our reasons for hope.
2: Uh, What's your reason for hope this week?
1: I mentioned it a little bit in our Mm -hmm. opening when we were talking about um, the new voting rights legislation that the Senate has proposed, and that's that Biden is going after the filibuster. He is putting pressure on our senators to reform that. He has a lot of sway there. He has a lot of relationships from his decades of service in the Senate. Um, You made me feel less hopeful about it in our opening, though, because, (laughs) because like this is Uh, This seems like a huge, huge, insurmountable task. But I will tell you that I know and I've talked about this before. There's a number of elements for how legislation, uh, especially important legislation like this, moves through Congress. One is the political will of the members of Congress. Another is the public sentiment behind it. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. when you have uh, from the president on down, people talking about reforming or carving out uh, the filibuster for voting rights. And we know how pivotal it is, especially in the wake that we've seen in Texas and Georgia and all over the country, like the GOP is uh, is working overtime to subvert the will of the voters and repress the vote. Um this is such a pivotal time. We must take advantage of our very slim majority right now. Right. And um, and so I th- I'm seeing some political will there, which is really important. It must be matched up with strong public sentiment, and that's where we come in, right? Uh, we've got to continue to make our voices heard. The senators need to hear that we want the filibuster reformed or carved out for voting rights. They need to hear that every day, and, and that's how this stuff can finally get passed and finally get through. So I'm feeling a little hopeful because we're hearing that from the president, uh, and it's the first time we've heard that. Uh, it is reporting. He hasn't made like a public statement about it. So, um, hopefully we'll do that, but, but that's my, that's what I'm holding on to. That's my reason for hope.
2: I love it. And I always feel so bad when (laughs) you're like, Oh, I was feeling hopeful. And then you totally brought me down. You totally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, my reason for hope is actually like slightly related and it's that, um, the, the poverty rate dropped last year, which is incredible just in and of itself, mm-hmm. but also because, of course, we were in the middle of a pandemic and an economic crisis. And it was because there were so many great programs that helped lift people up. Um, we've talked on this program a lot about child credits and um, checks for, to families, um, food assistance benefits, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. All of this stuff coming together helps keep people out of poverty and actually lift people out of poverty, um, which is key. There is, I think, something to be said for taking a look at these programs, many of which won't continue, and talking as a country about how we can implement um, something similar in a way that keeps us on an upward trajectory Um, So that we ensure that as the country recovers from the pandemic and ensuing economic crisis, it's not just a small group of people who are already doing well who get lifted up. Perhaps we could look at these policies and figure out a way to lift everybody up. And um, that only happens when we have the majority, of course.
1: That's right. This is our opportunity to build back better and build back even better. I love that. That is hopeful and uh, a testament to the work that um, Biden has been doing. And uh, interesting to see if we can get this um, reconciliation package and this, you know, human infrastructure uh, passed alongside mm-hmm. the infrastructure bill that was already passed. Um, the the good that that's going to do to continue to lift people out of poverty as well.
2: So, as always, we've got our work cut out for us and that's why we are guiding people with this week's to-do list Uh, this week is vote forwards letter writing week of action so (laughs) when you say it like that it sounds so
1: fun now i was like i don't want to write more letters then i'm like yes i totally do thank you mariah As we've talked about, letter
2: writing is super fun um, and people need to finish up and mail their letters on Saturday, September 18th. So the clock is ticking. So um, if you started a bunch, get them finished. And if you haven't started, you can write them all between now and the 18th.
1: You can write five letters. Get five out there. Be part of the letter writing uh, action. We've been talking about it a lot. We've had Scott Foreman on to talk about Vote Forward. Mm-hmm. We're going to have him back in a few weeks to talk about some exciting developments on the research behind these letters. But let me just say uh, they work. They're really important. And uh, and we want you to do as many as we can for Virginia uh, and then mail them on September 18th. Yay.
2: That's coming up. Um, And then um, after you get done with your letters, make sure that you sign up for the Weekend of Action for Virginia, which is coming up on September 25th and 26th. That's less than two weeks away. So time to get signed up.
1: Yeah. And we're going to talk about this, of course, next week, too. This is our big push. Um, We want to contact as many voters as we can and protect that all-important trifecta in Virginia, which once again We see what's happening in these uh, Republican-led legislatures, and we see the exact opposite of that happening in places like Virginia where we have the trifecta. So uh, we want to protect that. We want to keep the uh, House of Delegates doing the great work they're doing.
2: All right. So if you've um, got a swing left group, make sure you mobilize your folks. If you're not part of a swing left group, head on over to the website. We've got places for you to sign up for phone banks and – Canvases, if you happen to be in Virginia.
1: Right. Swingleft.org slash VA. That's the site. And um, you can also go to swingleft.org because there's a button right on there as well. And we'll, of course, have links to all of these on our swingleft.org slash podcast page. So lots of places to click and get involved. And to help give you more context about our organizing program and why it's so effective, and to hear from the person who is actually leading that charge, stick around for this interview now with David Barrios.
2: David Perrios is the head of community at Swing Left. He previously served as North Carolina Coordinated Campaign Director, National Organizing Director for the Cory Booker Campaign, and Midwest Political and Organizing Director for the Democratic National Committee. David, (laughs) you've been busy. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. That's just (laughs) a few things, too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're so excited about your work with Swing Left, and we want to hear... All you have planned for our volunteers. I know a lot of them are listening. But first, we want to talk about you. You bring so much organizing experience to Swing Left. How did you get your start and what first got you involved in politics?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'd say um, I've been exposed to organizing pretty much all my life. I just didn't really know it Mm -hmm. until I started doing it in practice. Um, My dad's a reverend. Uh, My mom's a public school teacher. Uh, We immigrated here from Peru uh, in the the mid-90s, and I've seen just the power of faith-based organizing Mm -hmm. at work pretty much all my life. And it wasn't until I started actually practicing and actually getting down into it when it comes to community organizing as an AmeriCorps volunteer after college that I really saw a lot of the similarities of what my parents did. Um, pretty much all their lives, in, ter- in, t- in terms of you know fostering and maintaining healthy relationships, um, to really meet um, and exceed objectives, common objectives uh, for for the broader community, uh, you know. And so I joined that, and I was hooked. I subsequently joined uh, President Obama's reelection campaign in 2012 as an organizer in Colorado, and have been doing since, ever since. Uh, so, since in Texas uh, did, uh, was working for a political consulting firm, working on organizing programs and public engagement programs for, for a few years. Uh, and then the DNC is, as you mentioned in the 2018 cycle, uh, and then most recently, and and I say this in quotation marks because it feels like now 10 years ago, uh, (laughs) right. Democratic primary (laughs) cycle, uh, working for Cory Booker, um, in his presidential campaign, um, in Nevada, and then eventually in their headquarters in, in Newark, New Jersey.
1: Awesome. What drew you to Swing Left after all of that? So swing Left
0: plays such a unique uh, a role in in the space in the democratic space um, in that the, the first question, almost the first question that that we ask and that they've been asking since its inception is how can we help democratic campaigns? How can we how can we be a value add? To establish democratic campaigns and to nominees, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's there's very little hubris if you think about it when it comes to just like wanting to take a step back and trying to be as helpful as possible when it comes to providing monies and when it comes to providing volunteer capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so i've I've seen I've seen just how effective and helpful they've been, obviously during the Trump years, uh, in the 2018 cycle, and in the 2020 cycle. Uh, and, and I've just always just been really impressed by just how um, much they've been able to do um, and how you know, haven't been running really duplicative programs um, and you know have actually been just Helping existing voter contact programs that Democratic campaigns are already doing and the folks mm-hmm. that are already doing on the ground And so that for me was was a really really big draw um, just because haven't been working in this space for a while now um we, we tend to not, not be as efficient uh, with our resources and with our time as we should. Mm. Uh, that was so left. well
1: put, <laughs> so delicately <laughs> put.
0: <laughs> and Swing left uh, actually is actually is super, super efficient with our time and resources. Um, and again, is just trying to be helpful for, for democratic campaigns.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point, because uh, there is a lot of people bumping into each other and trying to do the same things in different ways, and that's something at its core that Swing Left has always done really well, is finding the holes, finding the spots where we can be helpful, Um, but if there's something already going on in the community, just uh, filling in volunteer capacity and helping out, it's been really, really the core of what we do, and super effective. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's been great. It's been so great for me watching that evolve over the last four years.
2: So um, let's talk about the plan then. So you've taken the organizing reins on an organization that has thousands of dedicated and experienced volunteers. They're leading um, swing left groups all over the country. How are you using your experience and our volunteers' experience to make an even bigger impact on upcoming elections?
0: Yeah, totally. We're, we're trying to leverage um, organic moments um, as mm-hmm. much as possible, um, organizing moments as much as possible through, throughout the entire year um, by, by, and creating an, an, uh, engagement opportunities and building around those. What I mean by that is, you know, right now, big, big focus is Virginia, Mm-hmm. And, um, and what it means when it comes to uh, what we're learning when, through programs, through voter contact programs, through volunteer engagement programs, how, what we're testing, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and so there's just a lot of opportunities to make sure that we're engaging our groups, activating our groups across the country, across the DMB area, uh, so that we can get folks plugged in into you know, the broader coordinated campaign um, into um, into specific House of Delegate traces that Swing Left is supporting, you know, um, and, uh, you know, a big, big part of that is making sure that we're taking a lot of the learnings from 2020
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and really applying it to 2021 and seeing how, what we can learn going into going into the 2022 cycle. You know, we, we saw in 2020 a big, big um, emphasis on virtual and digital organizing, right? Mm-hmm. And that really lowered the barrier to entry to get involved, you know, from across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, We're uh, leveraging that that enthusiasm coming out of 2020. Um, We launched this year um, in in the summer, um, you know, a new organizing vertical, our immediate impact team, Mm -hmm. uh, where we're really making sure that we can um, leverage a lot of national enthusiasm around voter contact and around Virginia and essentially getting people plugged in who wouldn't necessarily be in a particular group, for example, Mm -hmm. um, or a volunteer group. Um, But maybe interested in in making phone calls, maybe interested in getting involved in a virtual relational organizing event, maybe interested in letter writing. Right. And so we're we're building an online community to really support and really target specific um, actions and specific races at a time between now and Election Day. Right. And so. What, what this year is really focused on, again, is making sure that we're, we're testing out how an online community building program and distributed organizing program can work well, um, and how that can complement our existing work of just, again, thousands of volunteers that have been working with Swingleft for years now. Um, how can we make sure that we're, we're testing and optimizing and learning from um, uh, going into uh, going into the fall um, so that you know we get it right this year and we get it big for 2022?
1: Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the immediate impact team, and that's a new, as you said, vertical, organizing vertical for Swing Left because we've been – organized around our groups locally so you join a local group and you get involved there but as you said because of the circumstances of the last election and all the virtual organizing we were doing there was so many people from all over the country joining the same phone bank and weren't necessarily tied to a group so this does seem like a a, the natural progression of that can you talk a little bit more about how an individual can get plugged into that that's you know not maybe a member of a local group
0: yeah totally um, so we're essentially housing our volunteers, um, in an online Slack community. Um, and what we're, what we're doing is essentially trying to get the word out to grow this community as much as possible. Um, and what we have are essentially part-time organizers, uh, working with us, um, as part of Swing Left that engage these online communities, uh, through essentially three different types of teams. We have a phone banking team. We have a letter writing team and we have a relational organizing team. And so um, it's really easy for folks to get plugged in when it comes to just getting on the Slack. Um, and from there, we essentially create that level of engagement um, and community building and point them to the different types of actions that we have between now and election day um, with an exclusive pretty much focus on, on Virginia, right? And so it's it's a way to make sure that we are getting people plugged in who um, may not be as invested as other volunteers that we have when it comes to being a part of a group, mm-hmm. um, and maybe a little bit more interested in, in direct action taking, right? And so we have events um, and opportunities to get involved between now and Election Day, our first one coming up on, um, on the 21st, um, where we have a our, our, our big phone banking night um, uh, through the immediate impact team, working specifically on, on making calls for Virginia.
1: Awesome.
2: Um, is there anything else that you want our volunteers to know about or be aware of before we um, ask you the final question?
1: <laughs> big tease um, to the final question, by the way. But. Big tease to the final question. Well,
2: uh, two
0: two plugs. Um, two, two plugs on my end is making sure that uh, our, our volunteers um, and just the general um, public um, is aware of, of swingleft.org/va. Uh, uh, which really is our one-stop shop for all things Virginia, right? It lets, it lets folks know what events we have coming up. It allows folks to essentially join our immediate impact team right from there. Um, and it gives a breakdown in, in the different types of actions that we have, as well as our endorsed candidates, right? So that folks are really interested in knowing who we're supporting, what races we're, we're doubling down on, right? Uh, it gives a pretty comprehensive look. And then for folks that are really interested in, in also just joining the, the immediate impact team, you know, is it's making sure also that we have that they go to swingleft.org slash IIT um, and it'll immediately direct them to to the page of, you know, the immediate impact team and how they can get plugged in um, and how they can join.
1: Fantastic. All right. Well, here's our final question for you. And um, today is the uh, start of Hispanic Heritage Month. And um, it's really inspiring to see such a passionate uh, Hispanic leader leading the charge for swing lefts organizing. When you look at the future, uh, what gives you the most hope right now? What
0: an interesting question. I'd say we came off last year making sure that we um, really engaged casual and experienced uh, leaders and volunteers at every level. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw a level of enthusiasm that, um, you know, we not not just at at the voting booth, but at the engagement and at the volunteering uh, uh, sector that, that we haven't seen before. And so, you know, I think I think for me, what gives me hope is that level of, of civic engagement um, that I saw across ethnic lines, um, across across racial lines, across different uh, age groups. And and for me, it's it's uh, what gives me the most hope is seeing folks that with that kind of engagement when it comes to addressing politics at every level, not just electoral politics. Right, um, and I think at the end of the day, that that helps drive big fundamental change. And so it's it's a big, big part of this, why I'm drawn to swing left because we're looking to build that level of momentum, and we're looking to build that level of engagement and, and civic engagement. And, and for me, it's it's what we need to do to be successful and push for for big changes in this country is is to make sure that we are we're creating opportunities for folks to get involved um, where it's multi-generational where it's multi-ethnic um and that's something that keeps me going um and it's tough it's it's, it's really really tough working can be draining it can be emotionally draining mentally draining mm-hmm. um but um, i'm inspired every day by by my colleagues by my team and, and the community team um, who who have that hope you know who have that fire um and yeah, that's that's at least where I'm coming from.
2: I love it. David, thank you so much for talking about all these incredible opportunities that are coming up and for your philosophy about um, building this community we're all a part of. It was so great to hear from you.
0: Thank you all for having me.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved and stay engaged.
2: How are you staying engaged this year? We want to hear from you. Tweet to us at Boozboy Steve and at Mariah Craven or send us an email at podcast at swingleft.org.
1: Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever else you get your pods. And let everyone know you're listening. Share our show on social media. Check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And of course, sign up to volunteer.
2: We always appreciate you being here with us. And we'll be back with more next Wednesday.